welcome to Growth on the Rocks with your host, Desiree Simone, the podcast where we talk about life, love, and living. So grab yourself your favorite cocktail and let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Growth on the Rocks. And here's what I love about the power of social media. I'm not going to lie. I totally cybersocked these ladies and I got super excited, slid in the DMs. and was like, I have to have you on the podcast. So I need you all to give me a big round of applause for Vanessa and Veronica from O-Face. Ladies, welcome to Growth on the Rocks. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start with Vanessa because that's how you do in the alphabet world. So Vanessa, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So, um, my name is Vanessa. I'm 38 years old. Um, I currently run, um, O-Face with Veronica, my business partner, but, um, my, uh, past history is, um, that I'm a veteran. So I'm a military veteran of the air force. Um, and I met my husband there. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, that kind of opened the world for me about my body pregnancy and birth. Um, and I started working as a student midwife. Um, and that's kind of my world was all about women. Um, Veronica and I started a business based on birth and all of the services that would be needed. Um, and from there, um, my family got bigger, got busier, and I needed to branch off onto something else. Um, so I started working in marketing communications, um, and that paid the bills, but it didn't feed my heart like the birth world did. So that's what inspired, um, part of the inspiration behind O-Face for me. Wonderful. I live here, yeah. I live here in Sedona, Arizona with my three kids and my husband. Wonderful. And Veronica, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your background, who you are. Sure. Um, so I have been an entrepreneur for most of my life. I um, was homeschooled for high school and worked at a coffee shop, which then was going to be sold. And so my family talked about, well, hey, we should do this as a homeschool project. And so my sister and I pulled our money together and we um, bought it and ran that when she was 15 and I was 17. Um, so I've kind of always had this entrepreneurial spirit in me. Um, then I met my husband and um, got pregnant with our first baby. And I, at that point, was training to be a labor doula. And I met Vanessa uh, through the midwifery um, organization that I ended up having my first baby with. And kind of, well, in my opinion, right off the bat, she was like, a breath of fresh air to me and best friend right off the bat. Um, I don't know that it is mutually felt, <laughs> but, Ouch. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding. But then, um, yeah, we started, we were best friends from that moment on, um, and started our birth business together where I was the labor do or a uh, labor photographer and videographer. And she was the doula and then midwifery student. Um, and that was back in Wisconsin. And actually we decided to all move our families together to Sedona, um, and moved across the country together. And then now are starting this business together. We're still pretty new. We just started this past summer. Um, so yeah. And same kind of thing, like just a real big passion for women's health and wellness. And this kind of seemed like the next step after we kind of got out of the baby world and stuff of, of our own. Um, this is kind of like the next step to women's health that we were most interested in. So now before we go into the women's health and what exactly is O-Face, I do want to talk a bit about, you said you both met in the birth world. Um, and this is really intriguing to me. One, let's everyone in the audience knows that I do not have kids. Um, I am terrified and I have always been terrified of the idea of a human being created in my body and then it coming out of my body. <laughs> so that is just me personally. However, I've heard of a birth doula, of um, a mothering doula, and I find this really fascinating. I'd love for you ladies to talk more about this. I find it even more fascinating because a few days ago, 
I interviewed a deaf doula. So did not know these <laughs> concepts exist existed. Like my mind was blown. So the idea of there's someone who assists bringing you into the world as there is also someone who exists bringing you out. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about what you all did together um, originally when you started your original birthing business. Yeah, so we offered actually a variety of different services. I would say the first one is we offered childbirth education classes. Um, and part of that is to help women feel more knowledgeable, more supported, because that is a huge thing. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> women coming out of your body, not huge as meaning the size, which they can be as well, but it's just a big life altering um, change for your entire family and for your body. So childbirth education classes were huge. Um, and we would do those, you know, personalized for, for single moms, for couples, um, you know, for any type of partnership. Um, and then from there, we offered labor doula services, which means um, myself or Veronica, um, she was a labor doula as well, would meet with families, make them um, make them aware of all of the choices that they will have during um, labor and be, before and after labor actually as well. Um, and make sure if they have a partner that they know how to be as supportive as possible um, and understanding what their body is going through. I think that's part of the process. Like even, I know we're going to dive into this later with our autoimmune diseases, but once you understand what your body's doing, it's a lot easier to accept and to feel um, like you hold the power um, when you're giving birth. And then Veronica, you can, maybe you want to talk about the photography and videography portion. Oh, yes, please. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was so, I started as um, a labor support person as well. And Vanessa and I, we would, you know, kind of either trade off so each of us could get breaks and stuff um, or just have another person that's on call because having the on-call life is pretty difficult. Um, but then I really just, uh, by I tried birth photography at one of our clients and man, it was like a fire was lit and I have like chills just thinking about all of the um, really irreplaceable moments that I got to cement for these people. And we invest a lot of money into wedding photography, which is like one of the best moment can be one of the best moments of your life. Um, but not as many people consider birth photography or videography and I really think that that is just a priceless gift to have um, because you can't really soak in the moment as, you know, when you're in labor and going through all of that. So it's just really a special thing to provide for families that they can look back at. So from there, you then transitioned to go more into women's health and therefore going into another birthing, O-Face was born. Right. So tell us a bit more about O-Face. Do you want to go first, Ness, or do you want me to? Yeah, why don't you start? Okay. So I I kind of roped Vanessa into this one a little bit. <laughs> the journey started a while ago for me. <laughs> um, it was about, let's see, about six years ago. Um, I have been with my husband for uh, almost nine uh, together almost 18 or 19 years. Um, and I was raised in a very evangelical, uh, church with a lot of religious upbringing. Um, and I know my parents out there, like just trying to do the best that they could, but it was, it ended up being pretty traumatic experience and a lot of shame, um, that was presented to me. Um, yeah, sex in general was presented more as a duty that a wife had to provide for her husband instead of anything that was supposed to be enjoyed. Um, I didn't really know what to do with my body. Um, so years and years into our relationship, during one of our uh, sexual encounters, my husband was <laughs> kind of exploring and trying out new techniques and um, did some external clitoral stimulation. And it turned out I really liked that. And I didn't know that. Um, so he went out on his own and bought a Lilo Sona. And 
I, it was like my first stick shift car. Like it sat in our sock drawer forever. Cause I was like scared of it. Just like my <laughs> stick shift car sat in my driveway for months. Um, and one day I'm just like, you know what? I might as well just try it. This is just a waste of money just sitting in there. And, um, wow, I, it was like a really big turning point for me. And I finally understood like when people say, you know, this cake is better than sex. I had never had that kind of cake before. Right? <laughs> I needed to tell everybody about it. Like I just wanted everybody to know that this little uh, clitoral stimulator was like the best thing ever. And uh, my partner and I then started incorporating it together, um, which we use now almost every single time. Um, it's definitely a mutually beneficial tool that we both use um so yeah I started talking like telling everybody I could about it a lot of my friends um had no idea about it and were also pleasantly surprised um Vanessa I think I had told you about it too and you were like fully on board <laughs> right away too um so yeah and then just over time and through a lot of exploration with each other a lot of openness and communication um a lot of more research. Um, and actually, I think it was also a Netflix show that we had watched, like how to build a sex room or something, some kind of sex show on Netflix. Like we just started having this conversation like, wow, I really wonder if more women don't know how to orgasm or don't know that they haven't had an orgasm like I didn't. I just thought this whole time, like, yeah, sex is feels good. It feels pleasurable. Um, I enjoyed the emotional connection with my partner, but I never had that, like, I need to have sex. <laughs> like, I, I really love sex. Like, I never had that until I discovered external stimulation. Um, and it turns out, like, 80% of women need that. And so I think it's something like 35% of men don't even know what the clitoris is. So there's all these, like, crazy statistics. Um, and anyway talking through all of that and talking with Vanessa, we kind of came up with this idea, like there should really be um, a store that first of all, offers tools that can help people with, that are experiencing pain with sex and kind of have it all in one place. Um, and also like just break down the taboos and the shame about it all and start this open conversation about orgasming and how to have one. <laughs> so that's kind of how it, my end of it started. And so here's what I want to know, Vanessa, so how, after that initial conversation that Veronica was like, so there's this Lilu, okay, <laughs> it's going to change your life. After that initial conversation, how, how did you process this and go from, oh, okay, that's really great to, oh, that's great. And we need to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if, so Veronica mentioned it a little bit, but I actually um, bought the Lilo. I tried it and I didn't have the same exact experience Veronica had. And I was what? like, this was an expensive thing to add to, <laughs> you know, my budget every month or, you know, <laughs> I have to break it down. It was, it was, it was a big investment, I would say. And I, I wasn't as excited about it as she was. And she's like, are you sure? Like, try it again. And so, you know, it, it took me a little bit of time to play with it. Um, and include my partner with it. And it was just, uh, it takes your body time to adapt to new partners, new tools, you know, new things. So um, once I got the hang of it, I absolutely loved it. And it, I had orgasmed before I had orgasm with my partner before with my husband, but it, um, I would say it took it to a new level for us. Um, especially with, you know, dealing with chronic pain and chronic fatigue, sometimes, you know, I need it to happen quicker than, than it's happening, um, with the energy that I have at that moment. So, um, I love the product. And as she started talking more about it with me, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm an open book, sometimes a little too much with my partner and with my friends and with my family. Um, but I felt like, wow, we are confiding in one another as best friends about this, about these things and about these questions and like, oh my gosh, 
that feels good to you too? Or have you tried this? And, and I felt like, why, why aren't we talking about this? Why haven't I talked to my sister about this or my mom? I have a 17 year old, like, when is she going to learn this information? Um, and I thought back to the, the years of, you know, raising my young babies and toddlers and not knowing what I was doing and looking for other women to support me through that. Um, and I found La Leche League and, you know, mother to mother support groups and knowing that as women, a lot of us are experiencing the same things and we just don't know who to talk to about it. We don't realize the woman sitting right next to us is feeling the same exact way. And I think that's what's really important is being able to foster that sense of community. It's like you said, you may never realize that the woman who's sitting right next to you is going through the same thing unless you open these conversations, unless you have this kind of dialogue. So we had touched on it a little bit that we all are on this awesome club where we suffer from uh, autoimmune diseases, chronic fatigue, and things of that nature. I know for me personally, as my symptoms have progressed, my sexual health has progressed. Um, again, I have a fabulous partner who's been very accommodating, but I do find it very frustrating at times to think, you know, when I was healthier, I could do X, Y, and Z. But one of the things that you have to understand is your your body is going to be changing and adapting as your disease runs it as runs its course. So if you wouldn't mind, and we'll start with Vanessa. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that's kind of affected your own health and how you've had to navigate the sexual world with it. Yeah. So I actually was diagnosed with fibromyalgia back when I was 18. Um, and I had just barely knew my husband at that point. So he doesn't really know me as anything other than a woman who has an invisible illness and, um, you know, is coping day to day with them. And he just kind of came along for the ride. So he, he didn't really know me different. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, um, in our relationship. It's just, is what it is. Um, and so I've been very open with him. Um, you know, some of the things aren't fun or pretty to talk about. Um, for instance, with my fibromyalgia and I also have PTSD, um, I have IBSC, which is irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, constipation. Um, which is just a sexy word, right? <laughs> Super hot. I can tell you right now, I got turned on as soon as you said the, the first set, the first set of initials, I was like, girl, don't make me open this drawer now. Come on now. Oh my goodness. So, so yes, I, you know, I'm, I've just had to be open with him. You know, it, it might be, um, you know, an instance where he's really in the mood and he's like, you know, do you want to make out or, and I'm like really wanting to just poop <laughs> and, and I'm not sure how to share that with him, but we're at the point now where I, I'm just very open on, I'll let you know how I'm feeling. Um, and if you do ask, I may sh overshare a little bit. Um, but it's a normal, it's a normal human body function. Um, just like birth is just like sex is. So, um, you know, I don't give every last detail, but it's, it's definitely impacted, um, our sex life for sure. Um, a lot of it revolves around fatigue and chronic pain. So sometimes just being touched, even in a gentle way is painful for me. Um, so you think about trying to make out with someone who's going like, oh, ow, don't touch me there. Or, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not always the sexiest thing, but we find our moments. Um, and I take advantage when I do feel good and I, you know, warmth and heat and things that bring a lot of, um, comfort to someone in chronic pain. We, uh, we incorporate those things as well into our sex life. And Veronica, I'd love to hear your story. Cause I, again, I, I know we all kind of are in the same group, so I'd love to a little bit if I can get more from how you've experienced and how you've had to navigate that with your partners as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so I have Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid auto autoimmune disorder. Um, and that shows up as just extreme exhaustion, um, full body pain, joint pain, um, depression, anxiety, all, all sorts of fun stuff. 
and, um, and as well as bipolar disorder, which is just very high highs um, and very low lows. And, um, you know, when I'm high, I have a great sex drive. It's, I'm very productive. I get so much stuff done at work. I'm creative, but then it's followed by these really low places where I either just want like to be held and cuddled. And I can, I just tell my husband that like, I'm in a really low place. I really just need, um, you know, a lot of reinforcement and support and, um, yeah, I guess I think communication, it sounds so trite, but really that is just, I think the best thing that's gotten us, um, through all of these, you know, disabilities and illnesses and all of that, um, it really just comes down to that. And also I think of something that's made a huge difference is, um, something I picked up from Vanessa is it, the concept of enthusiastic consent, not just consent, not just saying, yeah, sure, honey, we could do it tonight when I just really don't want to. And even like halfway through, if I want to change my mind, you, you know, fully supports that. Um, it was just the other night where, I was rip roaring, ready to go like all day. And we were flirting, texting back and forth. And then by the end of the night, I am like literally glued to my bed. I feel like I cannot move. I can't even put my mind into that headspace. And so I sent him another text. I'm like, I have to be full, like completely honest. I have no desire to do this. And it was just, his reply was, thanks so much for being honest. I really appreciate that. What do you need? And I just, I it's communication. It, it really is just all about that. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So again, when I was saying how, you know, you find your tribe and being able to talk to women like this, for me, this is so refreshing because I have not had this really. I know that I've got friends who are quick to say, Oh, I, I know someone who has fibromyalgia or I had a friend who had lupus or my cousin had Crohn's, but then to then have this conversation where it's deeper, where you're going, not only with these symptoms, I want to talk about my intimacy. Like this is a, this is a real big topic. Um, I, Veronica love that about, we were texting all day and by the time the evening, because that has happened to me, I cannot tell you how many times I've been like, babe, it, it is going to be it. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes you have to wake up that morning and like mentally and almost psychologically plan to be like, we got to talk to the body and we got to get her going. We got to work her throughout the whole day. And then something just happens at the last minute. And it's either some form of exhaustion and Vanessa, I am like the GERD queen. So I get your sexy syllables and your sexy acronym because <laughs> your, your, your girl will be like, I would love to. And if you give me perhaps an hour, I will get back with you <laughs> and we could circle back on this. But one of the things I would love for you ladies to talk about is, I guess, for the women who are listening to this, who feel discouraged that they can't fully open up to their partner, what are some ways that they can, and you said enthusiastically, what are some ways that they can kind of slowly start putting in enthusiastic consent into the whole, I'm interested, but like, I need you to kind of know where I'm coming from right now. Like physically, I'm at a one horny level. I'm at like a 20. So for women who are hearing this, who are a little frustrated and don't know how to communicate, where can they start? Yeah, I think like what Veronica mentioned, communication is, is key. And one of the things you said too of, um, like the consent, we oftentimes think of consent as something with like a stranger, you know, we're giving them consent for them to touch us or to, to be intimate, but it's really interesting that that same consent is just as important, if not more so with your partner who you do trust and who you've had these, you know, relationships with where you're thinking, well, we, we always have sex or we, we always have sex on Friday night. Um, but consent is something that can change at any moment. Like Veronica said, even mid, um, you know, mid sexual encounter with your partner, you can say no. Um, so I think it starts with just 
a, a conversation of really being open. It might be emotional of how you're feeling um, and explaining that, you know, none of us who, who have an invisible illness, it's not like a badge of honor. It's not something we want to have. Um, and you think of, you know, I explain it to my husband of like, think of, and he, he's a big baby when he gets sick. So I'm like, <laughs> they all they, are they're right. They are. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you're agreeing <laughs> I'm a little more quiet, but, um, but I explained to him, you know, would you be in the mood if, when you had the flu or if you, when you had COVID or whatever it may be, no, you know, I guarantee he's not wanting me to, to touch him anywhere, um, during those moments. So just being really clear about it and trying to provide some ways to, that they could maybe be empathetic to you. Um, and thinking of those times in their life when they aren't feeling their best, aren't feeling good. And it's, it's hard, I think for partners, because it, they feel like it's a personal, it's, they take it personally, like you're not attracted to me or it must be something I'm doing wrong. So just being really clear that you're still very attracted to them. You do love them. You understand that this is an important part of a relationship. Um, and that yet there needs to be some understanding and some boundaries due to the illness that you have. So let's, let's go ahead and get into like the meat and potatoes as to why everyone's here and why it's called O-Face. Let's start talking about orgasm, shall we? Because I feel like we could spend a whole hour talking about invisible diseases and shout out to all the women who are listening and men, we're not going to discriminate here. Men who also suffer from these diseases as well. However, let's get to the juicy parts. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about orgasms because I feel like Veronica and I are kind of like sisters in this respect. I think, did you say you were like 30 when you had your first or 30? 32. Yeah. 32 when you had your first orgasm. So I, I was a late bloomer with sex and I always tell people, I'm so glad I was 23 when I lost my virginity. So, so grateful. Um, but I experienced like my first clitoral orgasm way before 23 and way before I was actually with a guy. But what I will say, I was 25 when I had my first, um, orgasm through penetration. And I remember from 23 to 25, kind of like you, where I was like, sex is nice. This feels good. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but let's just go ahead and grab. It was, you know, we're talking nineties. We're talking magic wand that you plugged in. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the old school magic wand. Right. (laughs) So I remember that first time thinking, oh my goodness, there are all these new things. And so it kind of opens you up. So for the women who might be listening, who are waiting possibly for that first real orgasm, what are some things that they can first start thinking on first starting on the mindset level? Where can they kind of start approaching it? Because I will, I will tell you from 23 to 25, I really thought there was something wrong with me, not physically, but that like, it's, it's not clicking up here. So on a mindset level, where can women start focusing their attention if they have yet to experience an actual orgasm? You want me to take this one? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Do you have anything you want to add right away? No, you go ahead. Okay. Well, I might have to think on that one a little bit as far as the mindset goes. One thing is I, I didn't know what I was supposed to be looking for. Like, like I said, like I enjoy sex. I would get lubricated and aroused and have all these signs and everything. Um, But like I said, it wasn't something that I would like want to go rush home from work for to go have you know um so I think just having the conversation too and like telling other women like what should you what does an orgasm feel like I didn't even know what it was supposed to feel like I hadn't had you know the muscle contractions and the eyes rolling to the back of your head type of type of feeling so when Vanessa and I had discovered the Lilo that was like one of the first things I talked about I was like but is this what it is this what it is like is this the feeling that you get too um so I think like educating yourself um 
And that's our, like our goal is to educate people and especially, you know, the younger people so that they can be prepared and know what sex is supposed to be like and, and you know, what the grand finale should feel like. Um, mindset wise, I I'll jump in. It's a whole, okay. What? Yeah. yeah. So as far as mindset, I feel like, like the brain is incredibly powerful when it comes to sex and when it comes to orgasming. And I think for many women, um, I was raised a little bit differently than Veronica. Um, my mom was a little bit more open about talking about sex and, and masturbation. And she had a drawer like you did there <laughs> you do. Um, but <laughs> I think a big part of it is that there still was always this little bit of shame in my head, like an embarrassment or should I be doing this? Is this dirty? Is this gross? I feel like I've, you know, only heard people talk about it that either men are masturbating or it's on, you know, you know, on pornography. Um, so for me, and I think for a lot of women, it's taking the shame out of it. Um, is what is a huge factor to actually allow yourself to feel pleasure, um, understand that it's an actual biological need. It's something that your body was made to do. Your clitoris, the only reason that you have it is for pleasure. It does, has no reproductive um, benefits. It's specific for pleasure. So like Veronica said, becoming more knowledgeable, understanding your own anatomy, um, what each part is, you know, not being embarrassed to say the word vagina or vulva or clitoris, um, and, and learning that there is no shame. It's not needed. Um, but it takes time because we live in a society that, you know, surrounds women with, um, shame, you know, shameful, um, you know, thoughts and actions with just living, living normally as men do. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're talking about shame and, you know, obviously, like you just said, you both grew up in two very different frame points when it came to how sex was having, how that conversation of sex was from your parents. Vanessa, you and I are very similar. Um, my mom and grandmother were very open. Um, one of my grandmother's favorite sayings was if sex wasn't good, there wouldn't be any people. So <laughs> clearly she was like, she was on a totally different level. Um, and one of the things I've spoken about on the podcast and in my blog was my mom and I used to have these, um, summer sex talks and it started when I was like six, they were, she was very open. She always picked a day and we would just have a conversation and it started with, you know, this is your reproductive organs. This is what a boy's is. And then as I got older, the conversations became more and more detailed. So I think that first starting point of addressing shame, but addressing shame within the family. I, I have friends who have kids where granted we have gone to college together. I know the things that you did at that club bathroom. <laughs> I remember vividly, but you mean to tell me that with your 10 year old, you were terrified, terrified to have the sex conversation. So being able to address the shame, I think initially in the home is a huge step for some people. So let's let's talk a little bit about that because I think like you were saying, maybe some of the pressure for women not feeling that first orgasm is because this is all I ever had from my mom, from my family, from the church. So how can we start pushing? Because it's almost like a deprogramming, right? Like yeah. we almost have to start deprogramming ourselves. So how does one begin to even do that? I think you mentioned getting acquainted with your anatomy, getting accustomed to saying vagina or pussy, depending on how much you listen to this podcast. <laughs> so like, how do, how do we actually even start really kind of deprogramming ourselves and trying to release that shame? Yeah. I, I mean, you, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. Um, I'll just be quick, but the things you said initially right now are, are perfect. Um, one of the products, it's a little funny, but we, we sell on our um, website is um, a mirror. It's called the gem mirror and it's like the genital examination mirror. Um, and it props up perfectly for you to look at yourself and become, you know, acquainted with yourself. And I talk to my kids about that. Um, you know, that's just part of looking, you know, at the hair growing under your armpit or looking in your mouth and examining your teeth. 
that's just a part of your body and you should be familiar with it. And that in itself, normalizing that from a young age and normalizing it, even as you get older. I mean, I really didn't start looking at my body until I was, um, I was a teenager. Um, but I didn't know that, you know, all labias look a little different. Um, the way the hair is, is a little bit different. Um, you know, everything just like our breasts, you know, different shapes, one side might be a little bit bigger than the other. And just knowing that makes you feel, um, more accepting of your body, um, which can then lead to you feeling more comfortable pleasuring yourself or having someone else do that to you. Go ahead, Veronica. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, that was perfect. And just, I think something that I've tried to incorporate in the past couple of years, especially is the relentlessly asking myself why. So why do I have this initial, like, ah, can't talk about that. Or, Ooh, I don't want to, I don't want to touch myself down there. Like why? Well, it's just like any other part of my body. Um, why shouldn't I talk about this? I like to talk about the recipes I, I make at, at home that I enjoy. Why wouldn't I talk about this like new product I found that makes my vagina really happy or my clitoris really happy? It just, I just like to just get to the why and the meat of things. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. So is it a message that I was ingrained in me through my church or my upbringing or something society is placing on us? Like what is the actual reason I feel like that. And it's very enlightening to, to dig that deep with yourself. So now that we're talking about, you know, the good stuff of a good, Oh, let's, let's talk about some toys because one of the things we talked about is, you know, never realizing the woman next to you might have the same issue. I remember I started my blog about 11 years ago before the podcast and I'd say two years ago, I did one of my first product collabs with a vibrator. I think it was a Lord Carlo. I cannot remember, but I remember I did a blog post about it. I did a review. I posted it and the amount of my friends who were like, oh my God, I've always wanted to do it. And I'm like, first of all, I can feel you whispering through the DM. Like I can, <laughs> I can feel it. So why are we not having our big girl voice and talking about how really good this clit sucker is? So Right. Let's, let's let's talk about it, whether it's now or an all time. What are some of your favorite toys? Because I took a look at your website and did a little like, hey, babe, in case you haven't, you got one more gift that you need to grab for me. <laughs> I'm going to send you findyourofface.com so you can take a look at a few things for research, for clearly for research purposes for the podcast. <laughs> but what are some of your favorite toys that, you know, you just happen to absolutely love? Well, I know Veronica's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Go ahead, Veronica, you go first. Okay. Well, um, I'll save, I'll save my ultimate favorite for you, uh, to say that one, but I really enjoy, um, especially when dealing with chronic pain, there's the enjoy wand, which, um, is going to be coming to our website soon. Um, but it's a stainless, it's quite big. Um, and it's a stainless steel, like U-shaped wand with one larger end and one smaller end. Um, and I really like it for solo use um, or partner use too, but specifically with chronic pain, um, it just puts really nice pressure on the G-spot and, and the internal um, clitoris area. And so if you use that with a clitoral stimulator, it's like really nice. Yeah, <laughs> you can have blended multiple orgasms. And so I really like that one. Um, and also the Lilo just came out with the Enigma, which also is very nice. Um, it has the clitoral suction on one end with also an internal wand that has like this rotating thing that happens. I know, I know pretty exciting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and let's see, I, I mean, the Lilo is my trusty gal. <laughs> we all have to have that one. I mean, I used to be embarrassed to say it, but do you remember like the little, we're talking, you use two AA battery silver bullets that yes. at every sex shop was like $20. Your girl back in college <laughs> before she had sex for the first time, I went through those like every six <laughs> months or something. 
because I'd wear the hell out of it. But it was just like, it was a tried and true. You did its job. She got in there. She got out. And I was a happy little girl. And I'd always get extra double A batteries for it. So <laughs> shout out to the ladies who still rock the, the silver right? bolts. We, yes. we love you. We love you. <laughs> Vanessa, what about you? Um, so I'll start with the Lilo Sona, which is the one that Veronica recommended to me years ago. Um, and it's, it's actually my favorite. It's my husband's favorite because it's very easy to use. <laughs> um, and the um, clitoral suck sucker part that you keep saying the sucky part. Um, <laughs> it's really easy to figure out where to place that. Um, it's, it's a large enough hole that you can't miss putting it over the clitoris. <laughs> It's pretty easy. So that's, that's my favorite and that's his favorite. And then, um, one of the newer products that we, um, recently started carrying is the sugar pop Aurora. And that also has the clitoral stimulator on one end and then more of just like a, uh, what you would uh, connect with like a normal vibrator on the other end. I actually have it right here. Yes. Um, oh, she's so, pretty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's a sparkly diamond. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> Fancy. Um, we have kind of two different options for that stimulation. Um, so I, I love that one, um, as well. And it's, that is one that I can very easily have multiple orgasms with, which is one of my favorite things to try now. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think for a lot of people, again, you know, talking about shame and we're going into, oh, I want to try a toy. They don't know where to start. You know, and I know for some people, whether it's going into a sex shop or going online, they're probably like, there are so many options. I don't really know what I like. I don't even know where to begin. So what could someone do if they're, you know, whether they're 18 years old or 32, just getting the rocks off for the first time, where can they start if they're like, I, I know what I want to enjoy but there are way too many options. Yeah, I, I personally would say um, most women, um, especially if we're talking about, you know, women over 40, um, maybe haven't had the same type of clitoral stimulator um, as they have nowadays. Um, so trying out a clitoral stimulator um, would be my first recommendation. Um, it's something that most if not all women need and just don't even realize they need it. Oftentimes we look at like more of a dildo um, or something that would create more of a vaginal penetration. And although that does feel good for a lot of women as well, the clitoral stimulator is where I would recommend starting. Absolutely. I, agree. I was going to say, Veronica, do you agree? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that is kind of why our selection is pretty small because like I said earlier, 80% of women do need the external stimulation, but I think just society and what we see in media and all of that, if we're more used to seeing like a dildo or something that buzzes a lot, but this new like pulse air suction technology is really pleasant. And it also, just a caveat, I want to say it doesn't need to replace your partner. It really is like just an addition that we we use every time and every time I orgasm and I know that a lot of women don't get to experience that so um yeah it's it's the clitoral stimulators that they have on the market right now it's not even a thing that a partner can do I feel like like it's not replacing a partner because they you can't, you can't do, that. do that you can't do that <laughs> sorry Ted you can't even do that exactly <laughs> <laughs> so and, and I really appreciate that you you talk about that because I think that is extremely important is having a partner that is open to this and also knows that this amazing sometimes highly expensive toy is in no way a replacement for him or her so right. I think I think being able to have that conversation with your partner and saying you know yeah this is something that is is equally for both of us to enjoy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So with O-Face, because obviously you all have an amazing amount of resources on your website, what do you want women to be able to take away when they come to your website, when they see your products, when they go to your TikToks, 
they read your blog. What are you hoping that women will find when they go to both of you? Yeah, I think we ultimately want them to feel like they've kind of arrived at their best friend's house. You know, everything that we have put on our website has been really thought out. Um, we're, we think we're funny. <laughs> um, are. We, we have a lot of humor on there. You are. Um, and we just want women to come that want them to find beautiful products that are fun colors. Um, nothing that may, like we said before, like a dildo that may trigger some women or turn some women off. We want everything to look really nice and soft and comfortable, something they would want to put inside them or on their bodies. Um, and, you know, read our resources. There's so much good information out there. Um, and we put that on our social media as well to help women feel like they're becoming more knowledgeable about their bodies, but also that there's so much to laugh about so many funny things that come up. Um, and a lot of just like lighthearted, um, humor. Yeah. I was going to say, I, okay. yeah, yeah. I'd love to add that. I, I really want women to know that they're deserving of pleasure. Um, no matter what society tells us or upbringings tell us that we, we all deserve just to feel freaking good. And also that they're not alone. Um, and that we're here for any conversation at any time. Like the, I hope that people know that the, we're opening up that door for candid conversation like that. And they're not alone. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So before we get to the final question, because we're getting close to the end of the podcast here, tell everybody where they can find you, their web, your website. And of course, if they want to cyber stalk you, like I did on TikTok. <laughs> Yeah, so um, our website, we're, we're called O-Face, um, but all of our handles and our website and email, it's all findyouroface.com. Um, our TikTok and Instagram and Facebook can be found at findyouroface.com, or no, findyouroface, sorry. Um, yeah. Was that which it? Which is which is exactly where I found them, was on, on TikTok. I stumbled, you know, Shout out to the TikTok for you page. And I, I forgot what the original post was, but I was like, I know this is going to sound crazy, but would you ladies like to be on my podcast? Because this is <laughs> really perfect. And then later finding out that you both suffer from autoimmune disease. I was like, I, I have to have you both on here. I think these are great talking points. So I cannot thank you enough for being on the podcast. I like to end asking all of my guests the exact same question. I'm very excited to hear these answers, by the way. No pressure. Um, but... If you could have a drink with anyone, dead or alive, who would you have a drink with? What are you drinking? And what are you going to talk about? I'll, I'll start. I'll start. I was actually not going to use this as my answer, but I'm going to. Um, no pressure, Vanessa. So I'm drinking Brew Dog, and it's a hazy AF, um, which I actually didn't love the taste of beer before trying um these non-alcoholic brew dogs but I was more of a wine drinker but I've been sober for two years now so these brew dogs hit the spot um and my father actually passed away uh two weeks ago so he'd be the person I'd have a drink with he should also be having a non-alcoholic brew dog <laughs> um <laughs> because he had one kidney when he passed so he doesn't get to have alcohol either um she's like but even now he doesn't Right, right. And I think I would share with him this. I never really got the opportunity to share with him um, about our business before he passed. And it probably would have brought him a lot of laughter, um, maybe a little bit of embarrassment, but he, he would have loved to know that I was doing this. And so that's who I would choose. He would be really proud. He would. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Veronica, what are you drinking? I am also non-alcoholic, uh, just the tonic with lime, which I must have just drank shitty vodka and tonics because it doesn't taste any different. <laughs> it yes. tastes just like my regular little vodka tonic. <laughs> um, and this is kind of silly, but I would choose Vanessa because we don't, even though we work together and we're best friends and we moved from Wisconsin to Sedona together, we hardly see each other. Um, and really? we would definitely be talking about sex. 
So, <laughs> well, first of all, we need to get the two of you in a room together so you can both share a tonic and lime. Are you kidding right. me? We're going to talk about her dad. We're going to talk about sex with you. Like, how, how are you guys best friends and you're so busy that you don't get to spend time together? Is this, is, are we including this podcast as like you guys, quote unquote, spending time together? Jesus. Come on, ladies. I'm bringing friends together. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm building relationships here, kids. That's right. Oh my gosh. No, we need to get you out of the, out of the Zoom world and into a real life non-alcoholic bar with some really, really great, you know, tonic and water and some, some NA beers. Absolutely. Yep. You got to get the group chat out of the group chat and into a great environment for the two of you. Yeah, right. So, oh my gosh. Well, Vanessa if she and Veronica, wasn't available, it'd be Joni Mitchell. So, <laughs> wow. Mm. Okay. So, like, so basically, that was like, this is my sweet BS answer. But for real, I would like to go with rock and roll legend Joni. Right. Mitchell. Like, I, they're tied. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, Vanessa. Oh I don't know if I'll believe her. I, feel I like don't. She, I don't either. I feel like, I feel like she's lying to you right now. Like all of a sudden she's like, but really, it would actually be Joni Mitchell. You might as well just said it was Joni Mitchell. Do not lie to us, okay? She was like, she's like, she said her dad, so I have to say something really sweet. Don't lie. Yeah, can you just edit that part out so it's not even on there? She doesn't get credit for that at all. Yeah. Fine. We're totally keeping it in here. So like maybe like a maybe a, a year from now when you guys are completely blowing up and you've done like all these major podcasts, you can be like, so glad we're so close as friends. Why don't you, you go hang out with Joy Mitchell? Your best friend. <laughs> well, ladies, I can't thank you enough. I know I would like to share a drink with both of you one day. So there's that. Yeah. Of my heart. <laughs> um, as for me, everybody, you know, you can find me on all of my socials, my website, www.desiree-simone.com, and on all socials Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads, if anybody's ever still using that, at IMD Simone. Vanessa and Veronica from Oface. Ladies, thank you so much. This is an absolute pleasure. I would 100% love to have you come back again. Um, maybe we'll have a non alcoholic beer. <laughs> it might just it might just be me and Vanessa who knows at this point so we'll, we'll see what happens but ladies oh, thank again you. thank you so very much and I can't wait to see what O-Face does in the next year thank you it was so great to meet you thanks so much all right ladies and gentlemen we'll see you in the next episode bye